So Money episode 150, Zena Kumak. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hey everyone, welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Today's guest is Zena Kumak. She is only 26 years old, but already has mastered her financial life. She graduated from college in 2011, so she's only 26, with uh, more than $25,000 in student loans, which isn't the worst case scenario. I mean, we all know that there are horror stories out there when it comes to student loans. But even so, she managed to get rid of that debt in just three years, earning a salary that was just equal to the debt. It wasn't even a lot more than the debt that she had. How did she do it? I wanted to bring her on the show to talk about her journey. And I also really connected with her. I remember being in my 20s with a degree in journalism like she has with a lot of student loan debt. And I was able to get rid of it in one fell swoop thanks to a book advance, um, which some others would have used perhaps to buy a car or a house or, you know, fancy clothes. But I really wanted to get rid of that debt, even though it wasn't a huge burden. But for me, it was really important. And Zena has a similar story. And I wanted her to really go through the steps of getting out of that debt. Now, Zena might sound familiar to you. Her story about getting out of student loan debt in just three years actually went viral. She was featured in Time Magazine and a few other major news outlets, and that inspired her to actually dedicate her spare time when she's not busy with her day job doing PR and marketing for a nonprofit to speak and write about her experience so that other young adults can do the same. So I'm very happy to have her on, and we uh, will be learning a lot from Zena, including what made it possible exactly for her to pay off the debt in three years. Her financial philosophy and money rituals and how her early memories of growing up in an immigrant family shaped her financial attitude as an adult. Here is Zena Kumak. Zena Kumak, welcome to So Money. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about your debt pay down strategy, getting out of debt in three years. I want to learn about your financial philosophy. I want to learn about, you know, all of the trials and tribulations of becoming the money expert that you are today. Let's start with your financial philosophy, though, Zena. What would you say is your greatest money mantra? I would say that I really believe in using the resources you have to spend money on the things that really matter to you. Mm. And in your own life, how has that come in handy? You know, that's something where, especially when I was paying off debt, I had really limited resources. So I had to think about, okay, what do I do with this limited amount of money um, after paying off bills and paying off my loans? You know, I only had so much. And I had to decide between doing things like going out, eating out, um, buying new clothes, or saving it for travel and experiences and things that really matter to me. And it really helped distill what was important in my life. Um, And I think sometimes when you're faced with making a sacrifice, it helps you figure out what really matters to you and what you actually really care about spending money on. Mm -hmm. How did you end up in debt? Let's go down memory lane a little bit. I want to learn more (laughs) about uh, your financial memories growing up as a kid, but kind of between being a kid and being now uh, an accomplished financial adult, what would you say 
was the real reason you got into debt in the first place? Uh, when I was applying for colleges, I already thought that I would have to um, take out loans. Most of the schools I applied to were more than my parents were willing to pay for. And so I just assumed like I was going to have student loans. So um, it ended up, I think I took out an average of 7000 a year. So that was the 28000 um, that I had in student loans when I graduated. But I didn't have any car loans. Um, I didn't have any credit card debt. That's to this day, that's the only debt I've had is my student loans. What would you say to someone who has more debt than you in student loans? As many of us do, you know, the average student loan debt is around $35,000, $40,000. But that, I think, is even lower than what we hear anecdotally, which is like, you know, I hear people writing into me and saying they have $200,000 in student loans. Is there any hope for those folks? You know, I would say that it's really easy to feel hopeless in any situation. I know I had moments where I thought, you know, I can barely afford to make any extra payments on my loans. Because um, when I graduated, I was only making $20,000 a year in my first job. And that was the amount of my loans. So I would say that instead of thinking about, like, what insurmountable tasks you do have, I would think about what cuts you can make, how you can earn more money, um, if there's, you know, any side hustles you can do, any freelance work. There's always something you can do to pay down your loans. And um, I know it seems, you know, really difficult and impossible when you're staring down six figures of student loans or 70 grand worth of student loans, but there's always something you can do. Um, I found out when I first started paying back my loans that even adding an extra $10 a month would take off one year of my loans. And I mean, anyone, most people can put down $10 a month extra. So whether wow. that's 50, yeah. So I think that's what helped me realize that, you know, loans are paid off a little bit at a time and maybe you don't pay a hundred dollars extra every month, but maybe when you get, you know, a windfall, freelance income, birthday money, maybe you put that toward your loans. Like I did get a big tax refund, put that toward your loans. So I would just say, just to think about any small change you could do that can add extra money. And did you do all those things? You side hustled, you took your tax refund and paid down the loan. Yeah, it was, uh, I remember there was one point where I got a gift and my fiance was like, I don't think they want you to use that money for your loans. I said, no, well, it doesn't really matter. Like I want to put it for my loans. Like that's, that's where it's going to be the most beneficial for me. Um, so yeah. And another thing that I discovered once I was working is if you're paid every two weeks, there are two months out of the year where you get three paychecks. Um, and especially as someone not earning a lot of money, that was a really big help. So yeah, I just, anything. I mean, I started to see like, if I went to visit my grandma and she gave me some extra money that I would take most of that and put it toward my loans. So you really do have to, if you can't really afford to make steady extra payments, you kind of have to take that extra money and put it down towards your debt if you can. I agree. You have to almost pretend like the money isn't yours to spend, you know, mm -hmm. that, that you were, uh, that if you weren't expecting it, then you should do something really, really boring and constructive with it. Um, and if there's anything left, of course, go splurge. But I remember getting a book advance when I was 27 or 26, and it was enough to pay off my student loans in one fell swoop. And I did because not because I was drowning in student loan debt or because it was too much for me to take on, but because I just liked the idea of putting that, uh, closing that chapter, you know, closing mm -hmm. that financial chapter in my life. And at, 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 a, at an age still where I could 
enjoy, you know, being in my 20s. I think um, that was a gift to me. Really looking back, it was a gift to me. Maybe it wasn't so sexy as going and buying, you know, <laughs> that cool watch or going on a vacation. But um, it is an un... Uh, there are no words really to describe what it feels like to be out of debt mm-hmm. other than just, you know, just pride and joy and knowing that you can sleep at night, not worrying about money. It's pretty priceless. Yeah. I think you have to have a plan for that extra money. Um, I always knew that if I got extra money, it was going toward my loans. But I think if you don't have an idea where it's going to go to, if you don't have a plan on how to pay off your debt or how to save some extra money, then I think you just end up spending it really quickly without even thinking about it. What would you say is your biggest money memory growing up as a kid? Um, one thing I, I really remember, I actually just wrote a blog post about this. Um, when so I'm an immigrant, um, my parents and I are from Ukraine. And when we first moved over, we didn't have a lot of money and, um, we were taking the bus and I remember I was about four or five, I think. And I remember um, my mom and I were waiting at the bus stop and we see this dollar on the ground. And this is back in 92, 93. Um, And we see this dollar and there was a convenience store right near the bus stop. So we go in and she lets me use the dollar and I got um, some apple juice and a bag of cookies. And it was the greatest thing ever. Both my parents were on wage jobs. And my mom was working in a nursing home. These are two people who, um, my mom has two master's degrees and my dad has one master's degree. So it was really humbling. Um, but that dollar was, you know, the greatest thing. And now they kind of, you know, talk about it as like, you know, when Hanukkah rolls around and, you know, the presents you get are, you know, much more than a dollar. Um, so it's kind of funny to look back and see like that dollar made such a huge difference that even now more than 20 years later, you know, I still remember that as like one of like the happiest moments of my life at that point. I also grew up in an immigrant household. Did you find that money was relatively fluent in your household? Like it was a topic that was not taboo. It was that it was that way for us, at least. And I felt like we were singular in that, that around the world and in our communities. People didn't talk about money, but it was something that we talked about openly. Was that true in your family as well? Yeah, um, I think that's one of the reasons that I did get such an early interest in finances. My parents were never shy about talking about whatever problems they had. They were never shy about telling me how much money they made or um, if they got a raise or promotion or if they got laid off. Um, None of that was taboo. And it was so interesting when I would realize that none of my friends were having those kinds of conversations. And they were they were never ashamed to say like, Oh, we made this mistake. You know, don't do that. Um, and they were always, you know, giving me advice about paying back my loans or supporting me or making sure I was still having fun in my life. So yeah, that, it always surprises me when I hear about people who have no idea how much their parents make or, you know, just things like that, that I kind of took for granted. What would you say is your biggest financial failure? You know, the student loans, I put that in a separate category. They're not really, I wouldn't say it was a failure because you paid them off successfully and you obviously used the loans to get educated. So what would you say is maybe a financial failure that you're happy it happened in a way because it set you up for success, but at the time it was not not a good thing? 
Um, one of the dumbest things I ever did was I had a summer internship in New York the summer before my senior year, and I was making pretty good money, um, not just for an intern, but especially living in New York. And before that summer, I had written a goal of I wanted to save, I think, $4,000 or something, which goes to show you how well I was being compensated. And um, but soon I realized that, you know, if you're living in New York City, there are like thousands of opportunities every day to spend money. You're walking around all the time. You're passing by stores and you get a taxi cab, you get lunch out. Um, and there was, I remember reaching a point where I was eating out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which is just insane. I mean, just completely ridiculous. And I would take cabs and just go shopping. Um, I mean, it was just ridiculous. So I think I left that summer with only a couple thousand in savings, which is, I mean, so much less than I should have had. Um, and that really hurt me because the summer after that, I took an unpaid internship and I had a job that was cutting my hours. So that was really detrimental. Um, and then when I graduated, um, and then had to move back home, I was like hardly working. And when I got my first job after college, I barely had any savings and had to borrow money from my parents to pay my first security deposit. So that that summer in New York really taught me about like excess and the importance of budgeting. Um, so that was definitely a big failure. And I still look back and cringe at that because I really could have set myself up for success. Right. If I, if I had done that right. And that was just one summer in New York. Can you imagine people who go to school here at 18, <laughs> 19, 20 years old? I mean, seriously, I, I always wonder about the students who are at Columbia and NYU during, you know, their college years where there's so much, like, I mean, you're not even exaggerating. I live here. So I know I say there's like, I joke that it's like a $20 tax just for leaving your apartment <laughs> because I mean, you'll inevitably spend $20, whether it's on a cab or groceries or food or tipping. I mean, it's just like, there is, there are a million and one ways to spend money. It seems in New York city. And I think when you're young, it can be a very tough place to navigate financially. So I'm pretty impressed that you actually ended up that summer net positive <laughs> because I know a lot of my call, my friends in college, I, I was in New York on an un, unpaid internship and it was a lot of like subway footlong sandwiches for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> I would go home to Massachusetts and hang out with my parents on the weekends. Cause I was just like, literally I was, I had no money and I would just go home and stock up on toilet paper and oranges and come back on the Greyhound to New York. <laughs> um, but I had friends who were in consulting internships making like five, $6,000 a month, which is like a lot of money, especially if you don't have to really pay for much. I mean, you're getting maybe yeah. subsidized rent. And so believe it. I mean, I have friends who made three, four times what I made during those summers and blew it all easily. They came back to school with nothing to show for it, except maybe like a new bag. Um, so I digress, but this is a huge pain point, I think, for a lot of young adults in New York City, especially when you're in college. I mean, there's just, it's so, it's so hard for money to disappear when you're living here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. What would you say is your biggest success besides paying down the student loans uh, in three years? What would you say is your greatest financial so money moment? I would say that I was still able to find money to travel while I was paying off my student loans. Um, right after graduation, my boyfriend, then boyfriend, 
um, we took a, I think a 10 day trip to Europe and, you know, we didn't have any jobs and had an unpaid internship. Um, but we made that commitment to do that. And, um, a couple years ago, I went to Israel on a birthright trip. Um, last May we went to Spain. So I always found ways to travel because that was really important to me. And I think it helps when you're trying to do something really big, like pay off debt or, they, you know, something that requires a lot of sacrifice, it's important to also have a big goal that, you know, that you really want to do. And I think that kind of keeps you sane. And it reminded me that as much as I was sacrificing and, you know, saying no to things, I was also saying yes to something that a lot of people aren't. Um, there are a lot of people who don't travel, who thinks it's, thinks it's really expensive or it's not a priority. And so it made me happy that I could still do something that was important to me. And even though it cost a lot of money, I still made it work in my budget. Well, yeah, you need to enjoy your money. I think that's really mm-hmm. part, an important part of the equation. And certainly you were not in a situation where you had like, I would say if you had $28,000 in credit card debt, um, maybe you wouldn't be able to dedicate some money to a vacation in the near future. But, you know, with something like student loans where it is um, – the interest rate is fixed and it's relatively low and it was also an amount that – you could manage. I think uh, I'm glad you did that because it is also a carrot, right? To, to encourage you to get out of debt even faster. Cause if you get a taste of what it's like to go on a vacation once you're going to want to do that, you know, consistently, but you can't do that mm-hmm. if you're, if you've got this debt load hanging over you all the time. Yeah. And I do think that's one thing that my parents always taught me that it's important to travel and it's really important to travel while you're young and we used to go and see people who had clearly waited until they were, you know, retired. And you can't be in a wheelchair and climb the steps in a castle at the same time. Um, so that's something that is really important, I think, to do while you're young and, you know, you're okay with sleeping in a hostel with 20 other people. <laughs> right. I say the, the best thing I ever did in college was study abroad because there's no other time mm-hmm. in your life, right, when you're, like, just in a country – your only responsibility is showing up for class and passing your classes, but the rest of the time, yeah. and there's a lot of downtime, you can, you can travel, experience new cultures. It's just, it was the best time. I went to Paris. Did you study abroad uh, in college? I did. Um, I went to London for summer, which was amazing. And that's actually when my um, now fiance and I started dating. So it was, it was it very was fruitful, really cool. very yeah. fruitful. <laughs> All right, Zena, let's talk about habits. What's your number one financial habit that you'd recommend others take up? I would say having a budget. Um, I know people talk about it constantly, but I still don't know that many people who actually do it. And I really think that most of us aren't aware of how much money we spend on things. Uh, We probably think we have an idea, but I've talked to people and I've asked them how much you spend on clothes, how much you spend on eating out, how much you spend on groceries. And when they look at what they think they spent and what they actually spent, it's night and day. So I think keeping track of your money and maybe just, you know, even keeping track and seeing how much you spend rather than, you know, having a budget and limiting yourself, I think is the easiest way to cut back on things because, you know, you're not aware of, you know, how much you spend in one month. But seeing it on paper, I think can make a huge difference in how you actually spend your money. I did this once with my food spending. One year at the top of the year, I said, okay, let me actually see how much I'm spending on food and eating out. And I knew it was a lot. I knew I knew the number, 
once I saw the total, I wasn't surprised. But this is what I did in addition, which made it really um, hit home, was that I put it, I looked at that relative to all my other spending categories. And I realized mm-hmm. that after my mortgage, <laughs> this was my second biggest expenditure a month. And I thought that was kind of ridiculous because food, I like food, but I don't prior, I shouldn't be, I don't want to be someone who's prioritizing food that much where mm-hmm. I'm spending, you know, my second biggest spending category is food. Like, I don't want to be that person, you know? Um, I'm, it's just, it also doesn't really sync up with what's important to me. I would rather have my second biggest category be travel or perhaps stuff for my home or, you know, spending on others. And so putting it in that perspective to see where it ranks next to all your other ca- spending categories is also an important visualization t- step, you know? Um, and it really puts things in perspective. So just to add to that, because I think you are absolutely right. We don't budget enough. Do you use any specific tools or software? I really like Mint for keeping track. Um, and then I also use like just a regular Google Doc spreadsheet um, just for writing down the budget and how much I actually spent. And um, so just a combination of both, because if, if Mint doesn't... Um, like track, it doesn't track all my credit cards. I don't think her bank accounts. So it's nice having a spreadsheet where I can see all my accounts laid out. Um, and it's really easy to use and safe. And I think it works well for what I need. Now you mentioned you have a fiance. Mm-hmm. Is he your financial opposite or a compliment? I would say he's a compliment because he's not the type of person who wants to go and track our budget but he's really frugal. Um, I always say he's the first person who taught me to go to thrift stores and Goodwill um, and stuff like that. And so he's always really supportive and he'll also call me out on things like, Hey, like, did you notice you tend to throw away a lot of food? Like maybe you should either make less or freeze it or, you know, find a way around that. So I think it's easy when you think that you're a financial expert and maybe you are in some cases, it's good to have someone saying, you know, you do a great job at these things, but maybe you could work on improving this other thing. Right. So I and vice versa. definitely a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, the part of the interview. We're almost down here. Zena, you've been a really fun guest. And <laughs> I like to end on kind of a fun, casual note where we talk, where you actually finish sentences for me. Fill in the blanks. Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is... I would buy a penthouse in London. Wow. Maybe Look, you had a penthouse. That just sounds nice. I'm not actually a sure. Flat, what right? Isn't that what they yeah. Call? yeah. A pent flat. Um, <laughs> a pent flat. The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is mm, the gym. And I, the gym I go to is all classes. So there's always someone there, um, like a trainer motivating you. It's really small, about like 15, 20 people. And we all know each other. Um, And I go for boxing classes, which is super fun. It's a great workout. Um, It's always nice to hit something at the end of the day. And I didn't work (laughs) out regularly until I started paying for it. So um, that's, yeah, that's one thing I I can't live without. It's always fun to hit something at the end of the day. I'm not going to (laughs) forget that. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on is... Mm. I'm trying to think. It's either a toss-up between movies or nail polish. 
but not manicures. You do your own nails. Oh yeah. Um, even now, like with my wedding coming up, I'm like, do I need to go to a manicure or can I just do it at home? Um, yeah, I don't buy new nail polish. And then when I get sick of the colors, I just give them to my mom. So, and then movies are so great because if you already, if you've already seen them, then, you know, it's really cheap just to watch it over and over again. Um, so I, those are probably like two of the big things. All right. One thing I wish I'd known about money growing up is? I think I would wish I'd known that money spent well can make you happy, but spent poorly won't. Like I, I always grew up wishing I could have designer clothes and, you know, the latest Kate Spade purse. And now that I, you know, could go out and do that for myself, um, I don't want it. And I used to hate that my mom like would only shop when things were on sale. And now that I shop for my own clothes, I will never pay retail. So I wish I had known that the things that I really wanted as a kid that I wouldn't care about as an adult. Well, it's like when you earn it, you really learn it. You know, mm-hmm. you learn what you really want and what you don't want. And you always want what you can't have. And I, I find that true in so many ways in my own life, too. It's like when you don't have the money to spend, you always aspire to have what other people have. And you think that's mm-hmm. happiness. But then when you have actually the money to make choices of your own, you become a lot more discriminating in yeah. a good way. Okie dokie. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because? Uh, so my fiance and I have a dog that we rescued and we have a huge, huge self spot for animals. Um, so I like to help out the, um, the organization that we got her from. And what's the organization? Um, it's called ARPO and it's local and they take dogs. Um, some are ones just strays that they find, but a lot are they take, um, I think from the kill shelter in town. So it's really great because they foster them. They don't have like a shelter per se, but every dog they have is fostered with a volunteer. So um, it's really great because they're not like stuck in a kennel all day. They're actually with a family that is taking care of them and getting them ready for their forever home. Amazing. Wonderful. And last but not least, I'm Zena Kumak, and I'm so money because? Because I spend money on things I love. Excellent. Congrats on becoming debt-free, Zena, and teaching others how to as well. We really appreciate you and your time and your work. Tell us where we can learn more about you. So you can read my blog, Debt-Free After 3, at debtfreeafter3.com. That's all words. You can find me on Twitter at Zena Kumak. That is Z-I-N-A-K-U-M-O-K. And you can follow the Debt Free After 3 Facebook page where I post um, anything I've written, freelance writing, um, anywhere I'm quoted. So those are all great places to see what I'm doing. All right, we will check it out. We'll post those all at somoneypodcast.com. Thanks so much, Zena. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much again to my wonderful guest, Zena Kumak. If you'd like to learn more about her, her blog is debtfreeafter3.com. And I want to hear from you. Please submit your question about money, work, life, or guests at somoneypodcast.com. And there's a very good chance that I'll be answering it this weekend or the following weekend. And as a reminder, if you'd like to win a chance to speak with me one-on-one about what's on your money mind in a free 15-minute money session, just hop onto iTunes and leave a review for for this show. Every Saturday, I select one new reviewer who will receive a free 15-minute money blitz session with me. I would love to connect with you one-on-one. So if you're interested in this, go on to iTunes and leave a review. I thank you in advance. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. See you right back here tomorrow. Hope your day is so money.